everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Lost Hero. How you doing today, Jane? Oh, I'm I'm doing alright. I've been enjoying all of the not E3 trailers. Christ, what? All of the not E3 trailers that have been gone. You've been, you've been following any of those? No, I haven't. I've been, like, living a life. <laughs> I've been like doing things. Oh yeah, you you have a rich and fulfilling life. I can really tell by the way that you're hosting this Percy Jackson podcast with me. <laughs> Listen, I'm not dissing you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I am dissing you, kind of. Now that I like think you're back to the words 100%. I just said. percent. <laughs> More so, I meant like I don't have time for all this childish nonsense. What sorts of are the are are the games good at least? Uh, they all look pretty shit. The, oh. the the only highlight of the event was uh, when they revealed a new Supermassive game. And that's okay. only because I briefly got them confused with Supergiant, the people who make Hades. Oh, I also did that just now. <laughs> yeah, no, the Supermassive are the Until Dawn people. Oh, I, I mean, I kind of liked Until Dawn, but I don't think anything else they've ever put out has been good. Even and uh, Until Dawn was also barely even good, like, at most... Oh, 100%. So yeah, that's that's been my day. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm out of state. I'm about to start a job in a couple days. You know, just you... enjoying the life. Got trapped at sea yesterday. Oh. Reco- recovering from ocean madness. Uh, doing my best. You, you, you're moving around all the time. You're a mobile froggy. I'm. My hops lately have been pretty high quality. It's true. You, you hopped all the way into the middle of the ocean and got stranded. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Do we want to talk about? Um, I mean, I guess we could do a very quick news corner. There was the rest. I guess the rest of the not the main cast, but like a lot of the main cast for the mm-hmm. Percy Jackson show uh, was announced. Looks all right. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have to uh, wind down the jokes about Chiron being a white supremacist. I guess. I mean, in the books, he certainly is. I mean, he's not. <laughs> He, what, he definitely is not, but... Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, they hired... I can't think of any... I was, like, gonna make a joke about the guy who plays Smelly Gabe looking ugly, but that's really mean. <laughs> he, he doesn't even. I just I can't think of any jokes to make. I, I, I glanced at him and he looks kind of like a greasy Matt Mercer, was my read. Yeah, that's that's fair, actually. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Like, apparently Chiron's actor is, like, incredibly, like, prolific so sounds pretty cool uh you know the the guy they got for fucking mr d seems like a good fit i'm i'm excited all around yeah and no, i most of most of what i've seen has been about that casting decision which is fair because it is it is the exact amount of unhinged that i want for mr d yeah uh i think that's all we've got for news today though probably uh yeah i think so all right should we go to the summaries in that case I think we should. All right. Chapter 26. Jason. While Jason's chained up and unconscious in Monocle Motors, his dream self enters Juno's prison. Shut she up. Expla- <laughs> she explains to him that Jupiter closed Olympus because he believed the gods had become too involved in the fate of mortals, thus stirring their enemies. As Juno, patron of eternal Rome, she disagreed, not wanting to see her people's descendants under attack. This rash action is how she was trapped. 
In the moments she has remaining before her keeper's return, Juno reveals that Jason is a peace offering. Something has changed to try and bridge some divide. When he wakes up, he's back on Festus, and Leo and Piper fill him in on the past couple chapters events. The main thing that stands out to him is the mention of a son of Mercury wearing a pur purple t-shirt. He feels like it's someone he should know. Piper also slips up and mentions Enceladus, which she plays off as being a name she remembers from the Gigantamaki myths. Which, not so coincidentally, also started with the kidnapping of Hera. It's not long before they arrive in Chicago, where they immediately find a storm spirit. Chapter 26, Jason. The kids follow the venti down the drain into a sewer, where they take the time to rest and eat before returning to their adventure. Leo whips up some vegetarian tacos from his tool belt, and Piper and Jason have a heart-to-heart -heart that gets cut off when Jason tries to bring up her dad. After dinner, Piper falls asleep in Jason's lap while he and Leo shoot the shit. Although the conversation turns more serious when Jason figures out what must have happened to Leo's mom, and the both of them worry about their own parts to play in the Great Prophecy. In the morning, their journey through the sewer leads them to the underground entrance of a multi-story department store full of magical items. At the bottom floor, in the atrium, both the Storm Spirits and Coach Hedge are trapped frozen in cages. The proprietress of the department store is a middle-aged rich woman who introduces herself as Her Highness, the Princess of Colchis. When Jason introduces his own group, Her Highness seems angry for just a moment before beginning their shopping trip. Chapter 27, Piper. It's immediately obvious to Piper that Princess is using some sort of charm speak to lead Jason and Leo in Rapture to the mall, but she's not sure how to break the spell or confront her without immediately getting killed, so she uses the time to try and puzzle out who this princess is. The only item in stock that draws Piper's attention is a potion that could supposedly cure any disease, and she wonders if it couldn't cure Jason's amnesia. But the princess says they can decide what to buy after the full tour offhandedly implying that she knows Piper is leading them to their death in the Bay Area. Chapter 28, Piper. Piper confronts Her Highness, who says that she is a woman from eons ago who was revived by a quote-unquote patron to act under her. Jason and Leo are distracted by the various wares, battle-damaged armor, a Roman equivalent to celestial bronze called Imperial Gold, which apparently Jason's coin is made out of, a high-tech forge, a trapped throne, all the while, Piper is bringing up more and more facts about the princess to try and snap them out of it, revealing the full picture of things before the boys can offer everything they have and more to get the Ventian coach. The princess is Medea, a witch who has supposedly killed her own children in an act of vengeance against her husband, the hero Jason. She's immortal, but she was revived for her power regardless. Medea defends herself, saying that the legend became twisted to harm her reputation, and attempts to charm Jason and Leo into killing each other. Medea has even dug into Jane. Uh huh. Tristan McLean's assistant, and uses her to trick him into flying straight to Enceladus' trap. In a desperate bit to save her friends, Piper lets herself lose control of her charm speak, putting all of her emotion into reminding Jason and Leo that they're best friends. It works, but Medea's not done yet. She releases two golden dragons to attack them. The boys do their best to take care of the dragons while Piper goes after Medea, climbing escalators and grabbing makeshift weapons from mannequins. When Medea is cornered at a potions rack, Piper tosses a shield, sending her straight into the concoction of potions all mixing together. Just before the result causes the building to explode, Festus crashes through the roof and grabs our heroes. Medea screams that without her, Jason's memory will be lost forever and their quest will surely fail, but Piper ignores her, and as they fly over Chicago, the department store explodes. So Jane, what'd you think of these chapters? I, I'm just now realizing that I had like... 
I'd made a note to go on YouTube and memorize the lyrics to the uh, Weird Al department store song. Uh-huh. Uh, but I did forget to do that. I, I would like our listeners to, to kind of sit back and imagine what a funny bit it would have been if I had uh, if I had sung that whole thing. But I, I won't disrespect your time by looking it up now. That would have been pretty wacky. It would have. Uh, other than that, uh, these chapters kind of washed over me, not gonna lie. Really? I I thought so. What did you think of them? Uh, I, like, I didn't think they were the best chapters we've gotten so far or anything, but I thought they were pretty good. Uh, including, I think they really, I think Rick kind of did a, a do-over on a scene that we actually kind of called out as being not so great earlier and did it much mm-hmm. better this time. Would that be the, uh, the, the roundup where they're updating every, all the backstories and stuff? Well, specifically the part when they're in the sewer, when yeah. they're like, we kind of called out the last time they were flying on the dragon and chatting as being like, it felt like the scene in the back of the truck or one of the various like Grove or Annabeth Percy, just like chatting sessions, like yeah. a worse version of it. This feels like, I don't know, a version of that that works really well for this dynamic that I, I super was glad to see. It feels way more focused on like the angsty teenage backstory drama, which that's like true. that's that's what this is for and about. So that's better. It makes it more distinct. Yeah, that's true, and I think it also just kind of further reinforces these character dynamics that, in a way, we haven't gotten to fully like understand yet. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that is happening with a lot of these POV chapters is that we kind of aren't getting our main three interacting. We're getting them interacting a lot, but, like, we haven't gotten their, like, one-on-one dynamics with each other as firmly defined. And I think, like, for instance, I understand Jason and Leo's relationship a lot more now. Yeah, I I understand now that what bonds them together is the the fact that they're both fucking simps. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Explain yourself, also. Uh, they instantly get charm-spoken, whatever the fuck. Uh, by Medea and do whatever she tells them to. That is true. <laughs> yeah, I. The, the this is just like this feels kind of like CRC two point Yeah, I definitely felt that way as well. Like down to the whole like, oh, one of them is controlled and put in a horrible magical situation, knows what's going on, while the other one's being manipulated. I guess there's, like, kind of a gender inversion here where, like, I feel like last time Percy was the one who really, like, didn't, like, he, he was the one who was not as charmed by Cersei. Because uh, he got a fucking hamster. Well, yes. Uh, this time it's Piper. And, like, it's not the best set of chapters ever, but I do think it's pretty, like, it's decent. It's fun. I do, I do like Medea as just, like, a fun one-off road trip villain. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you know this is the format for these books. They they meet wacky, wacky characters in different locations and have RPG battle encounters with them. Uh, and this one is much better than Boreas. It is like I feel like the department store is just like a better location. Yeah, definitely. Like it, Chicago department store feels more interesting for like a big fight slash weird Percy Jackson stuff is going on. Than just like Ice Hotel, which is also cool. Ice Hotel's fine, uh, but like I really like the part at the end where Piper is just like they're jumping from like escalator to escalator, yeah, like, chasing each other. I like that a lot. 
Like, the department store full of mythical Greek artifacts in a sewer is like, yes, this is exactly what I want from a, a Percy Jackson location. Agreed. I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to hear, because like you said, like, these kind of washed over you. What did you think of them Like gen- more generally? Like, what were some specific things that like did or did not stand out to you about that? Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure I could even 100% put my finger on it. When I was doing like my reread before we recorded, there was a bunch of stuff in these chapters that I just straight up forgotten had happened between the readings. Uh-huh, like what? Uh, I think one of the things that jumped out at me was um, a sleepy lady appearing on like the fountain as they go yeah. to Chicago. Yeah. It's possibly just because that doesn't come up later in the chapters. That's just like a one-off flash thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is also like, that is also like a really cool moment. It is, yeah. It's creepy, and it's not creepy in the way that these things usually are. Or I feel like most of the time it'd be like there's a flash of a Leo sees it, but nobody else does. But in this case, like Jason sees it, taps Leo, Leo can see it as well, and it's almost creepier because like they can see like the ultimate antagonist of the book just fucking watching them. And they can't do anything about it. They just have to keep doing their thing. Yeah, that really stood out to me too. Like, I can't think of another moment in this series that has been exactly like that. Like, just like, okay, we're both seeing that there's this horrifying thing. It's not like, it's just there. Like, it's not like gone away because we shut our eyes or anything. It's just like, there's this knowledge that like, for every second that they are on the earth, there is danger. Mm Mm-hmm. I I have like a special affection for Medea here. Oh, same. What's what's your affection? Really? Well, mine mine is because in high school, uh, in my English class, when we read it, like read the, the read the play, uh, I was cast as Medea. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now, whenever I read about Medea talking about uh, killing her children, I will read that in your voice, Jacqueline. Yay! <laughs> now, why do you have an affection for her? Uh, because I, I think it would be really funny if the Heroes of Olympus books had been written 10 years later, uh-huh. because absolutely 100% Medea would be complaining about cancel culture. You sent me this message the other day that was just like, oh, Medea is a victim of cancel culture or something like that. <laughs> she is. That's, that's a whole thing. She's, she claims that she's being smeared and misrepresented and taken out of context for horrible things that she actually did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, I killed my children. Sure. Like, I poisoned his wife, sure, but, like, I didn't actually kill my children. Like, they, they just said I did that afterwards. They were a horrible, vile mob. Just, I, I was I was very surprised by how this went. Just because I was expecting it to be a case of, like, oh, no, the myth was actually, like, warped and changed by, like, people who wanted to portray Medea as bad. Because that kind of, that tends to be how these things go. Uh, in stories, that's how they, like, metatextually grapple with the fact that a lot of the time women are demonized in these things. Yeah. Uh, but it just turns out to be fucking true. Yeah, like, the thing with it is that, like, this series, you're right, tends to offer a more sympathetic eye towards, like, pretty much anyone. Mm-hmm. The case is not so much here. Like... It's made clear, like, oh, no, she's terrible. She's, like, the ultimate villain of Greek mythology, is I think what's said at one point. Which is very strange. Uh Uh-huh. Because Kronos exists. Yeah, like, I guess he 
Like, I guess we were talking about, like, oh, it's really bad to kill your children, but Kronos also did that. Kronos killed all of his fucking children. That was, like, why they declared war on him. Yeah, well, I guess he tried to. He didn't actually do it. She actually I, did it. He he ate them. Well, am I mixing things? Did she, like, no, I'm mixing things up. I'm trying to think. I'm like, oh, did she, like, chop her children up and feed them to some... This is a horrible... That's, this is, uh, Tantalus, I think. That's Tantalus, yeah. And also Titus Andronicus. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Uh, probably actually the same. I imagine that Shakespeare probably. is influenced by Greek mythology a lot. Yeah, probably heavily based on it. It's interesting to me that she is positioned as like, in Chicago, you will find the master of the winds. In Chicago, you will face your greatest mortal foe. <laughs> like, Jason, the one who could bring you down. And like, she's like pretty fucked up, I guess. And she does pretty well and like almost gets them to kill each other. But like... She doesn't feel like quite all that to me. Yeah, no, because again, when I was doing my reread, I was like, oh yeah, they said all this stuff about, oh, your ultimate mortal enemy will be in Chicago. And I I feel like they must run into another horrible mortal enemy in Chicago. Because she was not that powerful and was taken down despite mind controlling two of them by just like Piper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Piper, Piper does some cool stuff here, but... You would think that if he if she was Jason's ultimate enemy, then Jason would fight her. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit it's a bit confusing. Maybe I, I maybe they'll stop at the Bean or whatever and meet someone else. Yeah, maybe they'll go into a coffee shop and meet a het thousand on one. What is what are those called? Oh, oh. Do we get to mention this chapter of like people with a lot of arms? Uh, yes, we... yes we do. Uh, during Jason's dream, uh, it's mentioned that, um, he can see outside of Hera's prison and there are, like, bloodthirsty wolves and also people with many arms out there. Do we think those are, like, the Heskex Hesthetas? Okay, good, so you don't know either. <laughs> no. Uh, I guess they might be, because, um, we know that, like, they faded away or went into hiding... And there was only, like, the one left by the time of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. So it, it might be that, like, they've come out of the woodwork because of, like, Tartarus exploding or whatever happening. Yeah, it's actually interesting to me that, like, thinking back on Percy Jackson, we really don't get, like, a lot of, like, mortals who we faced off against. Um, like, I can't, I can probably think of one or two, but usually they were, like, a ghost or something. Off the top of my head, Cersei and Daedalus, and that's it. And Daedalus yeah. arguably was just a fucking ghost in a robot. Yeah, like, he never died. Uh, he did. Like, he died, but he didn't, like, die, die. His spirit was, like, you're right, he was a ghost. And he was fucking Alphonse Elric. Yeah. Uh, and Cersei, I guess Cersei was just, like, magic, so she stayed alive that whole time or something. Yeah, she just was magic and keeping Blackbeard in a fucking hamster cage, I think. Uh-huh. See, Monsters was weird. Everyone should watch Black Sails. <laughs> so this is the first instance of, like, a like an, like an a straightforward, like, revived mortal. And I'm curious to see if that'll be more of a theme with, like, the villains in this book. Or I feel this like series. it has to be, right? Because, like, she, she's back because, for the same reason that the Cyclopes were, like, immediately reforming. So I feel like this is this is just going to be the status quo for a little while. Well, she's not back because of that. She's back because she was specifically chosen by like a patron or whatever. 
Oh, sorry, yeah, you're right, you're right, she was back before the Tartarus, excuse me, before Tartarus started overflowing. Yeah, so I, like, I wonder, are we gonna get more of these, like, carefully selected, like, oh, this is fucking, I can't think of another Greek mortal, like, this is, like, a king or something, this is Minos, well, we already got Minos, but, like, that kind of thing. Ooh, is Minos gonna come back? What if they bring back Tantalus to make him the, uh, the head of the camp again? That would be fucked up. Be very fucked up. I guess they could actually, because Mister D's gone. Yeah, you're right. What <laughs> Jupiter's motivations for closing Olympus? Uh, to me, this reads very much as like he thinks that the natural order of things is disrupted because uh, everyone is like talking to their kids a bit more. <laughs> Uh, he is 100% just trying to use this as an excuse to get out of talking to his kids and double-cross Percy, basically. It's a very, like, human motivation in a way that I'm enjoying because it's masked behind all these layers of, like, oh, he thinks it's causing the monsters to stir, that we're interfering in their fates. But what it actually is is that, like, oh, now we will acknowledge that there are children and we'll, like, send them a message once in a while, at, if, at most. Yeah, it very much reminds me of, and I'm, I'm, I'm young Justice brained because we were watching some before we started recording, but season one of that show where uh, Superman just, like, constantly refuses to talk to Superboy and is just constantly like, oh, no, I have to go and uh, punch a meteor to save the planet whenever he is left alone in a room with him. Yeah. Well, speaking of gods having human motivations, I did I did enjoy the extremely bizarre tidbit that Hera drops, uh, that gods don't have consciences. Yeah. Which I don't I don't know if that is supposed to have any wider implications or anything like that, but it explains a lot. I'll say that. No, it it does. It really does. Oh, we got it. We got it. We we've been waiting patiently for 24 chapters now it's finally here uh rick ryden made a character mispronounce enceladus's name is enchiladas yeah we've literally for the first fucking episode of the lost hero i think we talked about this <laughs> it and you know i guess i should have expected it would be leo i i was absolutely dead certain that they were gonna run it in a grover and grover would say it uh-huh I, is the, this is, is this, this thing that you like Zanchiladas, how can you miss that opportunity? Yeah, I... Maybe it'll make the same joke. And Leo and him will bond. <laughs> maybe, like, Grover is just being, like, quietly written out and Leo is, like, his replacement. It's like they've written a character out of a show and hired someone who's exactly the same but played by an actor who isn't Union. <laughs> God, yeah. Oh, that... That actually reminds me of a part of this that I also liked, which was, I mean, similarly in the sewer scene that I enjoyed, was uh. Leo and Jason just being like, oh man, I bet the other four demigods of the prophecy are all having their own quest, and it's much better than ours. And Percy is presumably fucking face down in a ditch somewhere. Presumably. Just, just judging by how his life usually tends to go. It'd be interesting if, like... No characters we knew, other than these three, were any of the demigods of prophecy. Yeah. I hadn't even considered that as a possibility, but I suppose that could happen. What if Drew's one of them? 
And we have to deal with Drew being around for all five books in a major role. She'd probably become more of a character, at least. You'd hope so. Uh, maybe, maybe she'd get the Clarice treatment. Yeah, I I hope so. Oh, man. Uh, oh, speaking of things that have finally happened, last episode, you specifically called out that you want, like, the Mercury, the kid of Mercury that is, like, got eaten to turn out to have been, like, a friend of Jason's or something. Yes, and that is hinted at in these chapters. I Yeah, this is great. This is, like, Jason's head starts throbbing. He's like, oh, I should remember this kid. And then later on, he, like, finds another purple shirt it's it's the 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 suspense the the clues everything is building to something we've got some fucking axe material in the pipeline and i'm ready for it absolutely i find it extremely funny that juno was like oh you know zeus was talking about um sealing olympus and not not going outside anymore but juno couldn't ignore the plight of the descendants of my people Uh uh-huh which means, I guess, she she's out here defending uh, bodega store owners in New York. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're talking just straight up, like, people still live in Rome. <laughs> like, wait, Jane, oh. what do you think a bodega is? Uh, it's like a fucking, it's like a grocery store, but you can get a sandwich, I think. I mean, yeah. I guess I just don't usually... Th- I'm not from New York. I guess I usually don't think of a, a bodega owner as, like, Italian. That I, I was under the impression that, like, a bodega was specifically, like, an Italian thing. No, no. I, I'm pretty sure it's specifically, like... Bodega is, like, a Spanish word. Oh. Yeah, it's the Spanish word for storeroom or wine cellar. Huh. All right, so she's out here protecting the mafia. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, like... Like, this is further, like, I guess, hints or whatever that, like, there is some larger, there's some larger thing going on with, like, descendants of, like, there there are Roman something or others out there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of assumed that what uh, Juno was getting at was the idea that, like, America is the descendant of Rome. That is also incredibly possible. Like, they're both, like, the quote-unquote great like they're the large empires of their time i guess yeah like they're where the heart of the west is in the narrative it's it's fascinating it's fascinating uh (laughs) the fat the fucking implications rick ryden sure does have some ideas Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah um did they get coach hedge out of there i think they left him i I don't know if there was a mention of them, like, grabbing him. Because I don't think he's on the dragon at the end. Oh, yeah, and it explodes. Yeah, but I think they killed Coach Hedge. <laughs> I Well, hang on, wait. He was, like, time-frozen, right? Right. So maybe if the building explodes, like, the cage just gets shattered and he's just, like, still stood in midair. He just, like, plops down like a cartoon character? No, no, he's just, like, suspended there because he's, like, time-stops. Oh, forever? And they have to, like, get, get a stepladder to pull him down. Oh, oh, shit. He's... What's up with the series and, like, satyrs turning into statues? I, I'm i always saying this. What's with the, the satyr petrification? It's happened uh, a, a massive amount of two times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two times, that's a pattern. I guess, like... 
satyrs being put in weird stasis states. If that goes up to three, because Grover got fucking put in a coma by Morpheus. Yeah. I think it's just that the the satyrs aren't very powerful and are easy for the monsters to kick around. That's that's very true. They're just like the stock comedy guys. God, it would be incredibly fucked if they like they did kill him, but they did, they forget about it for like several chapters. Uh-huh. Until they run into a satyr who asks about him, and they're like, "Oh, uh, nope, I haven't seen him." Oh God, like my, I maybe they did grab him. And I just like missed it. Me, I don't know. Let me check. No, they they have the confrontation with Medea. Then, like the, the Festus drops in, they have to get on, and they fly straight out, and then Department Store explodes. Yeah, Coach Hedge is fucking dead. This is horrible. <laughs> this is just this is incredibly this is neglect you shouldn't neglect your satyrs like this it's fine it'll just come back as a flower oh that's true uh speaking of like the end of these chapters uh-huh i i was absolutely distraught that they didn't bring medea with them you think she would have been a good like like tag along <laughs> I think she would have been absolutely awful and would have constantly sabotaged them, but I love the dynamic of, like, the the heroes having, like, a tentative ally villain who will stab them in the back at the first opportunity, but, like, has to help them because they have them at gunpoint. I just, I think that's, that's always really fun and interesting. And I was sad that it didn't happen. I agree. They, they don't need more of that. They already have three people who are compromised on their team, and that's 100% of them. <laughs> You know what? That's a very good point. But on the other hand, okay, but introduce into that dynamic an incredibly manipulative, malicious person who will keep trying to play them off against each other. Like, less, more subtly than with just, like, the outright charm speaking them into killing each other. Uh Uh-huh. But, you know, I I feel like that could be fun. It, It could be. But we'll never know what happened because she fucking exploded and died and her arms are everywhere. Again. Yep. I appreciate the part of this chapter. I don't know if I appreciate this. Uh, the part of this chapter is interesting where it implies that, like, part of, like, psychiatric institutionalization is uh, the work of monsters. Sorry, what? Uh, well, there's, like, the bit where it's like, oh, Medea is, like, you're going to check Tristan in to, like, like, check her dad in to a psychiatric hospital after he gets back or whatever. Oh, Yeah. I mean, I just assumed that was because he's been exposed to the fucking infinite horrors of the void. I mean, yes. You see what I mean about these chapters just kind of washing over you a little bit? Yeah, I can't think about anything else to talk about. Uh, oh, actually, I, I got something. I have something to bring to the table. Okay. Uh, second, second week in a row that we remember to do it. We're getting back into the swing of things. What's that? Uh, Leo telling his friends that he can throw fire at people, uh, fearing an absolutely horrible reaction, just being outright rejected, uh, and instead his friends are very excited for him, and very accepting. Uh, just just sounds like a, a coming out that has gone well. Yeah, so, it does. Good for Leo, definitely not so sad. I I will say, I don't think we did it last week. Did we not? No. What was last week? Last week was the the Snow Palace chapters. It was not. It was the it was the the fucking the. Oh fuck yeah! No, it was the Cyclops ones. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, but... No, we didn't. No, damn it. Ah, 
yeah, I like this is part of what I really liked. I love the conversation where Jason is just like, "Hey, I bet you could like jump off a roof and shout flame on and fly." God, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like you would see a little boy like on fire and screaming. Is I'd be shouting something a lot stronger than flame on. Like I, I, it's, it's really good. I like their dynamic. I like it when Leo is funny. Yeah, a lot, a lot of what he says is just kind of nothing. Occasionally, he does have a very funny line. Yeah. Um, not so sad on my end. That's, I mean, personally, yes. But <laughs> who do I nom? <laughs> Thank you. But who do I nominate, though? Uh, there's like four characters in these chapters. I guess, like, is it cheating to say that Jane uh, is trans? Uh, no, I accept this. Okay, cool. Because we learned that she's not actually, like, evil this week. She's just, like, being, like, hypnoed into working for them. Yeah, I... Well, I... Was, was it that, like, she's not evil, or was it just, like, her evil intentions were being manipulated? That's... That's possible. Now I'm curious about what her evil intentions are in that case. I thought it was just she was kind of a bitch who doesn't like Piper. And is possibly trying to fuck her dad. I I did not feel that implication at all, but that's interesting. I kind of assumed that was why she wanted Piper out of the way, just because like th- she, that the her the flashback of her coming and sending Piper off to boarding school is in the same chapter where Piper is talking about oh all those women uh, want to try and fix my dad because he looks so sad. I I like didn't get that from I I mean I don't know I didn't get the vibe from her at least that, that's not the vibe I got that was just kind of what I thought it might have been getting at yeah i maybe maybe uh we know but at the very least this is my nomination i understand completely it's kind of interesting that we learned that there is like a roman equivalent to, to celestial bronze it's like imperial gold like we are just and it's like the fucking marvel universe introducing like oh yes of course the there's adamantium and there's fucking what's vibranium. the other one vibranium like it, it it has that vibe to me <laughs> it just it carries on the, the persistent theme of the roman religion which is just fucking filing the serial numbers off the greek stuff uh-huh i wonder if it actually has like any different properties because like Maybe. You, i feel like you could definitely celestial bronze weapons had like weird esoteric magic powers like the coin like percy couldn't lose riptide yeah. I feel like that that's on this in the same kind of vein as flip the coin, get a different kind of weapon. Well, we also know that Celestial Bronze can't cut mortals. Oh, that's true. So, like, I, like that makes me wonder, like, can Imperial Gold cut mortals? Are the Romans more hardcore? And I guess Luke would feel pretty fucking ripped off because he, he made his cool, like, half steel, half Celestial Bronze sword. God. And if you'd known that he could have just made it out of the one thing, that probably would have been way less of a pain in the ass. I mean, it's cool as hell, though. It's extremely cool. And I wish Backbiter had been used more. Same. I I was actually thinking, I had a moment uh, while reading these, and it was like, oh, you're going to run into your most deadly mortal enemy in Chicago. I had a moment where I thought it was going to be Luke. Really? Yeah, I, I mean... As in a moment before I remembered that he was dead. Why do we keep forgetting Luke is dead? 
in my case, it's because uh, I didn't particularly like those last few chapters and I kind of keep forgetting they happened. But also just I feel like it would be... It would be cool to have him show up as like a minor villain who these guys don't know. Like I mean, like the the only context any of them have for them is Jason saw a picture of him and Annabeth, but like knows that Annabeth has some bad memories associated with it. And I don't know. I I feel like I feel like it could carry on that thing that we really liked in the early chapters of like the events of Percy Jackson and the Olympians like naturally rippling into this series. Yeah, I agree with that. I was gonna say, like, oh, maybe we could encounter someone who's, like, kind of like that, like Ethan Nakamura or someone, but he's also dead. He's dead. Uh, whatever, what's his face, the, the Cyclops? We forgot his name last week as well, didn't we? Oh, Polyphemus? He's, Poly- he's dead too, right? Is he dead? I thought they just blinded him again left him on the island. Oh, you're right. He could show up again, actually. That, that, that could be cool. I don't want him to. He was a shit villain, but he could. Maybe he's better in different contexts. I think he's just happy on his island eating sheep. Who who among us would not be? What other villains could show up? Uh, Ares, I, I don't think that would really work. Yeah, but like, if we're talking just like a like a a kid level character, I guess like a like Luke and Ethan, like they're like kids, or they're not uh, kids, yeah. but they're young. They're like dimmy guys. Immortal, yeah. I guess there just aren't any other ones. Yeah, they all died. Is the thing like the the big. Tra- the big defector characters were basically Luke, Ethan, and Silena, and they're all fucking dead. If it had been, like, a longer time skip, it would be interesting to see, like, the effects of being corralled onto a boat of evil monsters that, like, all the little kids Percy rescued, like, had. Oh, yeah. Wait. What did happen to the all the demigods who defected? Because there were other ones. We just didn't know their names. I don't. Like, we know that Percy rescued all the children. Did yeah, they just go to Camp Halfwad? Yeah, Beckendorf didn't suicide bomb a bunch of children. At the yeah, very least. exactly. Like, maybe they're at Camp Half-Blood, maybe they're just with their families, it's hard to say. Yeah, I guess that's something that was never really addressed. No, wait, it was, because it was like, those are mostly the kids of the minor gods, and they were like kind of brought into the fold at Camp Half-Blood, right? Yeah, that is true, because like, that's, I guess, who Ethan represented, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I think the only, like, the character who, like, if he showed up, it would be interesting for us, the reader, more so than it would be for the characters, would be, like, someone like Nico. Yeah, that's true. That's just because we want more Nico content. I mean, we do, but also, he's he's someone who I could see, like, floating in and out of the story very easily. Like, he he joins for a chapter, they see him, they, like, maybe have a bit of a conflict, and he leaves. Well, yeah, because that's, that's kind of what what he was for a while in Percy Jackson. He he shows up for a while, is relevant to the story, and then just kind of fucks off to do his own thing. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be into that. Oh, wait, you know what recurring villain we, we could get, and I hope we do get at some point? Ah. Uh-huh. Prometheus. Ooh, yes, yes. Because he, he was still around at the end of uh, Last Olympian, so I feel like he could show up with his own schemes and ideas. Yeah, that I would I would not hate that. It's I feel like we're just like, shooting the shit and writing our own Heroes of Olympus fanfiction at this point. I mean, we kind of are. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll put a put a button on this. Like, I don't have a lot more to say about these chapters. They were fine. I like them pretty well. I just there's not a lot to talk about in them. Yeah, it's it's fun to see kind of like Piper alone, but 
do we want to theorize how it is that Leo made vegetarian tacos using his tool belt? I, I, I still think that he is stealing items from various tool shops around the world. So he just, there were some vegetarian tacos that someone had ordered from their local Taco Bell and he stole them. This theory is growing like more and more. I just can't think of a lot. I mean, there must be a lot of them. But, like, I feel like stereotypically mechanics are not the type of people to eat tofu. I mean, no, that's a fair point. I, but more and more I'm growing, like, especially fond of this theory you've presented where he's just, like, stealing shit. And <laughs> I like to imagine there is, like, a vegan mechanic out there who was like, oh, I'm so excited to eat this tofu afterwards. Gonna, <laughs> gonna make a really nice meal. And it's like, oh, man, my tofu. You can't buy that around here except at specialty stores. Because... I actually, I do have an extra piece of supporting evidence for um, he's stealing them directly from uh, hardware, the f- fucking workshops. What's that? Uh, which is that he tries to get a dog whistle for Festus so that he can call him back. But because that's not something that's in a tool shed, he can't get that. He has to get like a, a warning whistle. Uh-huh. So I feel like that that restriction is only there because like he has to nick something that would be in a workshop. Yeah. It's interesting that he's a good cook. I like I wouldn't think of that offhand. I guess it makes sense because he's like I guess you have to kind of learn to cook for yourself in that in like the situations he's been in. I feel like he would stray away from cooking if anything. Just like always grabbing fast food from like dumpsters or whatever. Yeah, he set fire to his mom, so <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I you know thank you for listening to us everyone. <laughs> Uh, our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony, presented by OC Remix. You can find us on twitter.com slash on wisegirls. There we've got links to our Discord, our email, our personal Twitters, etc., etc. for if you want to contact us. Uh, we're proudly presented by the Moonshot Network of Podcasts. You can find them at twitter.com slash moonshotpods, uh, pods plural. If you want to support us, you can go and leave us a five-star rating or review, or you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash unwisegirls. There, for a dollar a month, you can uh, get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. Uh, for $3 a month, you can get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our uh, bonus content. Uh, yeah. Uh, last week, uh, we basically... Continue to yell about Batman forever. We will never shut the fuck up about Batman on the bonus podcast. I guess that is kind of all we did last time. Uh, we also talked about the most economical way to make a milkshake. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Thrilling stuff here at Unwise Girls Pod. <laughs> uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen, all our bonus content, and a thank you at the end of episodes. Uh, speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank uh, Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye. Bye.